Welcome to Do A Blessing CNS Church London's podcast, sharing the good news weekly. We hope you are blessed by today's message. We give you all the praise and bless you for what you're doing. We thank you for the last day of the month. We thank you because it is by your grace, it is by your strength, it is by your honor, it is by the privilege you've given us that we are here. Lord, we want to say thank you. Father, we say let your name be glorified. In Jesus' most wonderful name we pray. Amen, 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 in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Amen. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the kingdom of God. We've talked about, you know, um, the we've talked about developing into Christ and things like that. And I just feel that, you know, I, I feel by the grace of God will probably be able to just point out a couple of things as we move on to a new chapter. God, that was a revelation two weeks ago, or yeah, I think two weeks ago now, that God said that um, we should do a teaching on the cross, on the cross. God said, I know you've done the teaching before, but I want you to do it again as a pointer, as a basis to develop or to develop or add to our prayer life. And we'll be looking at that as God gives us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. So, just like these um, things, these are our Thanksgiving. Um, we'll see if it fits the bill. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, God help us in Jesus' name. So we, we you know we we read these particular scriptures which we which we were uh, which we spoke about last week and it's been the basis of a couple of things that we discussed about in Matthew chapter thirteen, verse thirty one and thirty two. Now Jesus said, He said to them another parable: The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. He said which a man took and planted in his field. The Bible says, though it it is the smallest seed of of all seed, yet when it grows, it becomes the largest of the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds will pitch on on its branches. So what the Bible is saying is that when they, we know we described it last week, I believe it was last week, where we talked about, where I gave you, I showed a picture of how how um, a mustard seed is and how a mustard tree is. A mustard seed, you cannot, it's going to be difficult for me to, if I put it in my finger, a mustard seed, you will not be able to see. It's the smallest seed in the world. But when a mustard tree you know, it's interesting, I said this last week, is that Jesus said, a mustard seed, he did not say seeds. Now, when a mustard seed is fully grown, a tree is fully grown, it cannot, this room cannot contain it. So, and Jesus began to, you know, Jesus was using that as an illustration. And we would be also be able to look at you know, when we begin to see, and we thought about last week, that the word, the word God uses as, 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 as um, for his for the establishment of his kingdom is the seed, and we said the seed is the word of God. The scripture says the seed is the word of God. 
So, you know, we're saying that at times people do not appreciate what the power, the efficacy of it, because it's when it first of all appears, it appears so small. And Jesus began to, I'm just trying to lay a bit of emphasis, um, foundation as I go into the main context where we would sit um, um, to do most of the teachings that we would have today. Mark chapter 4, verse 2 to 8, Jesus was talking again about a parable. And he said that, he said, he said, he said, he said, and he taught them many things, many things by parables. And in his teaching, he said, listen, a farmer went out and he sowed seed. And as he scatters the seed, some fell on the path, some, and the birds came and hurt it and picked it up. Some fell on rocky stone, on, on, on a rocky place, and where, where it did not have much soil. So it sprang up quickly. I love when Jesus was talking about the interpretation of this, of this parable. You know, Jesus said, these are people that hear the gospel, or hear, they are so excited about it, but there is no depth in what they've talked about. So Jesus was saying, I said, it sprang up quickly because the, because the soil was shallow. So that means that the soil had, there was no depth. There was no depth in that tree. It rose up quickly. Yes, sir, let's, let's go on. He says, the, he said, but when the sun came, the plant was, the, the plants were scratched and, and the withered because they had no roots. It was a tree, it was a plant that came up, but there was the root was almost nothing. Then Jesus said, said another fell on um, among thorns, and it grew up, and the plant was choked so that they could not bear so that they could not bear grain. Still, and this is another thing that we could do up. Still, he said, some fell on good soil. But look at the outcome. He said some fell on good soil. It came up and they produced a crop. Some multiples of 30. Some 60. Some 100. So what differentiated them? They were on a good soil. So assuming that, you know, you have escaped all the, all the, there, you know, shallow soil, this soil, that soil. He said, even those that came on the good soil, their production will be different. Their production will be different. You know, and you see it when he explained it also when he got to verse 20. Jesus also kind of just said it. He said, likewise, those sown of good soils are those who hear the word and accept it and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100. God help us in Jesus' name. Now, so as we, as we begin to look at the context of which Jesus was speaking about, some are the quality of the soil by which the, the word comes on. So it's interesting that the word came on them, but the issue was never the word coming forth. The issue was the context, the the the, the 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 soil, as it were. And as we begin to look at this, that you know, I can remember there was a time when you know I've shared 
a couple of times I was, you know, I was in, in Sokoto Bafarawa and I was doing the service and I was pastoring um, a, a fellowship, a fellowship there. And there was, there was a, 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 a guy and a girl um, uh, that were, that were, you know, they were part of my, part of the fellowship and I was in a village and, you know, they were so, each time, you know, when I, I, I I'm, I'm always humble because there were even villagers that were coming. And there was a man I know who walked about two kilometers with his child on his, carrying around his neck. And at times he has to carry his wife on his bicycles to get to church. I know, and those things I used to think that I cannot stand the preaching of today. You know, someone cannot give so much that way. And people were coming. You know, I got into problems with the Islamic people there because it got to a point all their children were <laughs> were were coming around the church and you know that led to another kind of another kind of story. But what I was saying is that there was you know, there was there was this couple I don't want to call them couple, but there was this um, there was this man and woman who were who were always coming to church, you know, they were coming to church, they would ask me because and things like that, but they were living together in a room. And they came to serve. But both of them had done engagement with somebody, one in the Badon, one in the Lagos. It was already a burden in my heart, and you will see it as I begin to share it. It was a, a serious burden in my heart. But, you know, you hope that people will change. And a day came, and he came to meet me. He was coming from Sokoto town. So he came to meet me, said, ah, because then what they call HCF, um, they call them Papa. Yeah. Papa, um, I have some of my friends. I told them about your sermons and how good, you, how lovely you teach, and they want to come and see you. They want to come and hear you preach. And I said to him, why do they want to come? And he said, ah, they need to come and hear you, but you know, you know, God has given me this kind of grace, and da 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 I went on and on. I just said, okay. As soon as I turned my back, tears, literal tears began to drop out of my heart. Because I was like, I remembered something that people would call my scaring cheerleaders. And I said to God, of what, what are they coming to come and see? Do I look like a comedian? What are they coming to come and see? I will never forget that day. I got to my room. I was, I, I, I was on. I, I, I slept on my bed, and my my pillow was drained. What was you could feel water. I was like, God, have I, I have failed. What are they coming to come and see? Somebody that has not changed his life. What are they coming to come and see? And that day, that night, that night, I had a dream, and I saw that people were in the place, and I was serving them communion. And some were taking it, putting it in their pocket, some were taking the heat in it. And I had a man come to me, that man, and said, no, you are giving them the, the food. It is their own responsibility to do whatever they want to do with it. He said, but as far as you are concerned, 
heaven is satisfied with what you have given them. It is their responsibility. If not for that, I honestly, <laughs> I just didn't see it. But I don't even see the reason why we're teaching people where you know when you're sharing the word of God, and people are going back home to come commit fornication. Of what benefit is it? You you come to a comedian. So, you know, God help us in Jesus' name. So that's what Jesus was saying. You know, the, the seed was right, but the soil, the context of the soil was different. The, the, sorry, the, the quality of the soil. And we are, you know, it's also a description that we are the soil. But we would look, we, we are going to look more at the, at the tree itself. Because as we go to Colossians chapter 6, sorry, chapter 2, from verse 6, and I would, I would, to seven, I would sit around this scripture for a while. I might go back and forth, but we'll be coming back to it. The Bible says, now just as you have accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and yours, as, as your Lord. So basically what he's saying is that you have accepted Jesus now. He said, the Bible says that as your Lord, he said you must continue to follow him. He now said, let your roots grow down into him. And let your lives be built up, built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the, in, in the truth where you have taught. So we would first of all, you know, verse 6 says, it is not only important for you to believe in Christ, it is also essential that you grow in him. So as we move into verse 7, I will first of all want to pack around the first sentence in there. He said, let. So that means that it is your responsibility. Your, your root is not God's responsibility. That's why he said, let your roots grow down. Now, when you see a tree, when you see a tree, you do not give, it is not your root, you don't, it is not the root that you give. You give your fruits out. Do you get what I'm saying? Assuming you are the, we are the tree, as the Bible is trying to describe. So, what we are saying is that the root is not what, it is not your service. Or what you give. The root is your personal development. So when those ones had, you know, this, I, what I am given now by God's grace is a fruit or a gift. But this is not my root. If I take this as my root as a Christian, then there is trouble. So when you see a Christian, the thing that you cannot quickly see, sorry, when you see a tree, the thing that you cannot quickly see is the root. Do we get it to that point? Let's read on to our preferred views. Let's just look at I think I'll come back to that. So we are still on the roots. I just want to just make some emphasis on the root. You know, um, Verse seven says, "Having deep, deep, having deeply rooted in in Him, now that is Christ. 
He said, deeply rooted in Christ. Now, that means that the Bible says in Psalm 1 verse 3, he says that he says that the righteous shall be like a tree planted by the streams of water. So that means your root is supposed to go where? Into the stream of water. Who is the stream of water? Jesus. Do we get to that point? The amplifier would say that planted like a tree, planted family and fed, that's what the amplifier would say, fed by the streams of water. God help us in Jesus' name. I'm going somewhere with this. Please just. Oh, sorry, that should not be land versus space, but I will, I will correct it. It should be land and space. Amen. Let's go to the next one, please. Let's go to the next slide. Amen. Now, see, these three, these two, these three pictures are pictures of a banana tree. Please, can you just change that to hand if you can? Hand, land, and space. Now, what determines the height of that tree is actually how far their roots can grow. So if you have a banana tree that is planted in a cup, it would not be able to rise beyond the level because the root, the space you have given it to grow is limited. That does not mean it is not a banana tree. Are we? That's why Paul was saying rooted. The difference in them, that, as you see, is that they do they, where they are planted, they have space. The one that you see that becomes as tall as a house is because it is planted in a place where the, where the roots can spread. The, cap, the area that you are located for the root of this word of God would determine how tall that tree becomes. Would determine how fruitful that tree becomes. So if there are areas of my life where the root cannot find space, it, would, it, it will be an issue about how well that tree, in fact, Jesus said, it, it, may, it may even rise at the point it will be swept away. Why? Because the roots has problems. That is why when Paul will be writing, Paul will say, root, um, um, deeply rooted. Basically, that root has the ability to spread its tentacles. A tree that is going to be difficult to be uprooted is a tree that the you know there are some trees that you don't even bother. You know there are some trees that rather than bothering to uproot the tree, is that they leave it there or they break the fences around it 
Why? Because that tree has been so rooted, it has gained so much space. And that could be the difference between how well you grow in Christ. Not that you are not receiving the word, but the, the, the capacity by which the root can stretch is only determined by you and me. Is only determined by you and me. When you are, when we are in Christ, the capacity to grow is unlimited because it's the seed, the capacity of that seed. You cannot comprehend it. In fact, when you read Psalm ninety, Psalm, Psalm um, ninety-two, verse twelve, David said, "He says the righteous." shall be like a like a palm tree. The Bible says they will grow. See, it's interesting that the Bible was talking about when it said flourishing. Because when you see a palm tree, the way a palm tree flourishes, the seed that they give and all that kind of stuff. But look at what he now said. He now used a qualification. He said they would grow. So that means their growth would be like the cedar of Lebanon. Can I have the next slide? Please? Amen. Just um, three slides after that, please. This is the tree of Lebanon. This is the, the cedar of Lebanon. This is how it looks like. So when David said they would grow like the cedar of Lebanon, that is the picture also Jesus was painting when he spoke about the mustard seed. That he would get to a point, everything, every bird will have opportunity to rest on it. But do you know why this seed of Lebanon, cedar, this um, um, cedar of Lebanon is able to grow this way? Because look at the area it is. There is capacity for it to grow. It can, it can, I guarantee you that this is the bottom of the tree. But if you get here to this side, sorry, if you get here to this side, you, if you uproot it, you will see the roots. In fact, you can even go as far back, as far as five minutes walk or two minutes walk and still dig that place, and you still see the root of that tree. Because the more it has to grow, the more it can increase. Are we together? In the kingdom of God, leaves is not the it's not the it's not the most important thing. When Jesus saw a leaf in Matthew 21, he saw, he saw a tree, 18 to 19, Jesus saw a tree that had the, 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 the um, just go up, please, just to slide so. the, the Before that, you know, Jesus, the, the Bible says that Jesus, Jesus seen the fig tree. He went, he went, okay, the Bible says, as Jesus 
as in, in the morning, as Jesus was on his way, way back, he was hungry. Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it and found nothing except leaves. Except leaves. Then he, he placed the cross on it. You would see that, you know, when we go to the is it winter period, the winter period, you would see that, you know, the trees, see, you would always shed leaves. Things will happen. It doesn't matter as far as God is concerned. It is the root that matters. But when a tree sheds leaves, it could be that you were functioning in something or maybe there is nothing for you to do or whatever it is that God has called you to do. Or maybe there is a dry period of a dry season. It's like, ah, there is no, no. God is saying, no, it is, what is, what is the big deal about that? It is your root that matters. This tree, like you see, it, give it a couple of months later. It would be as if nothing ever happened to it. Job said that if you cut the tree, as long as it can, the roots can still get sense of water. He said it will rise up again. It would rise up again. God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. So, we got to that, I believe we got to that understanding of roots. Because we're doing a little bit of teaching today. Of roots. He now said, let your roots be deeply rooted. But a root that does not have space cannot be deep. If there are sections of your life or your that is uh, 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 where I want to exhibit God when and when I don't want to exhibit God, that seed cannot grow. It is limited. The water can be around it. But there is no capacity to grow. Heaven grant us grace in Jesus. So let's go on please, to um, Colossians to, to see that where we are. Like I said, I'll be coming back to the scriptures again. The Bible says, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith. You will read most translations. Aside from NLT and things, I will say your faith. But, but when they give an interpretation at the bottom, the Bible says the faith. There is a difference in the way the Bible says the faith versus your faith. He is not saying be strengthened in your faith. You know, this is this faith is not the faith to get money, faith to be healed. This is not what the Bible is saying. The faith, and that is why he said, the faith as you were taught. There is what the Bible calls the, the faith as it is given. The gospel as it is given. That's what the Bible calls the faith. And you begin to see, you begin to see um, this as we, as we go on. But let us let us not even get to the faith yet because we are going to get there. We are still looking at, we talked about the rooted one, we are looking at being built up in him. Being built up in him. 
the Amplified was saying, and Amplified would tell us that now being continually built up in him, becoming increasingly more established in your faith. But like I said, if you read King James and the rest, they interpret what they mean by your faith here as not the faith that you are. That's why the Bible would some most translators would put it as the faith, so as to clarify it for people. But the Bible says, it says, you are becoming increasingly more established. It said, you are continually built up. So that means, that means that when we are talking about your building up as a Christian, it is a continuous journey. There is no Christian that has come to a form of total maturity. You are forever learning more. You are forever learning more. This couple of weeks, I have learned a lot of, and when I talk to people, I say, you know, I just learned this. Because in your journey of faith, you are always increasing. Because the desire of God is that you, you grow into Christ. That is what we are called to grow into. We are called to grow. Ephesians chapter 4 will say that you are, you are called to grow into the, into the fullness, into the image of Christ. Let me give you just an example because at times people think that when they say that, you know, grow in Christ, they are only talking to you about, you know, at times people feel that, you know, my life cannot be totally, you know, it's not really about Jesus, Jesus all the time. It is because we do not understand or we do not appreciate how the growth in the wisdom of God is all about. Let's read. I'm just going to read a scripture to us. Somebody I'm going to explain to us is Solomon in the Bible. The Bible says, 1 Kings chapter 4, the Bible talks about Solomon. And I'm going to explain why I'm talking about this. Um, the Bible says about Solomon, it says he spoke 3,000 proverbs. Sorry, 3,000 proverbs. Now, proverbs are wise sayings. The Bible says he spoke 3,000 proverbs. And, it, and a song, his songs numbered 1,500. And please see how his wisdom was being expressed. It was not his wisdom was not only things that only pertain to seeing angels or having uh, what's it called you know talking just pure scriptures. The Bible says that he spoke about a plant about the plant life from the cedar of Lebanon to the eat soap that grows out of the walls. So basically, he talked he talked about the big tree and also the. The ones that you see, you know, that grow on the wall. It was so, his wisdom was so deep that when he was giving, when he was talking about things, he was expressing how things develop. Not people of who are the knowledge of science had to speak to him about things in his days. And the Bible says, he also spoke about animals uh, birds, fishes. The Bible says, from all the nations, people came to listen to the wisdom. 
to, to, to Solomon's wisdom. And all the kings of the world had of his wisdom. This is, sorry, I don't have that scripture up, but this is, this aspect of Solomon that you are seeing is, 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 is what you may call the, the, the practicable wisdom in terms of his career. He was, he was, he knew, he knew, and the Bible says that when, when Sheba went into Solomon's house, she said that I observed that even from your house, from your maidens, how they are dressed, how things are done in your house, she said, I saw wisdom. So the wisdom of Solomon was not only wisdom of church or career, you could see it in his house. The way things operated in his house, he didn't have to tell you. Sheba was not told that Solomon had wisdom. Sheba said, when I walk and I see the way your tables are laid, the way your people behave in the house, I know wisdom raises in this place. So the wisdom we are talking about is not, I, am the, I have the wisdom of God, yes. Jesus himself said, he said, wisdom is justified by our children. So he said, if your wisdom is not justifiable in the things around you, if people, I'm not saying you declaring it. People coming and saying, this wisdom has proof. In the way your household is, in the way, in the way that you know people, you know, your, your general life is, then we still have a growing to be to be to have. Does that make sense? Because the Bible says, now you know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 42, Jesus said, Queen of the South will arise at the judgment of, of the generation to of, of this generation and condemn it. For she came from the hands of the heart to listen to the wisdom of Solomon. Now, something greater than Solomon is here. He was talking about himself. He said, I, and the Bible says that Christ is in us. That means that I still have a lot of growing to do. If, if, my, if, if my career still doesn't express the wisdom, at least at, Jesus is saying, at the minimum, you should be operating at, at Solomon's wisdom. Because if I'm already in and I am greater than Solomon. So if my wisdom is only to, to speak in tongues, but my finances is, is not, is, is, is a disaster. If, my, if it's just only to, 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 to talk, to pray all night, and my marriage is in, you know, I need to grow in that wisdom. I need to grow in that wisdom. Isaiah chapter 2, really quickly, Isaiah chapter 2, verse 3 to 5, the Bible says, and this is the prophecy of what God is expecting from the church. If you read from us, it talks about the last days. But verse 3, it says that many people will come and say, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we will walk in his path. 
and law will go out of Zion and the word out of the word the word of the Lord out of Jerusalem. The Bible says that he will judge between nations, he will settle disputes and make people. For, for many people, they will beat their swords into their plowshares. So he's saying that when this wisdom is at its peak, how many of these are we seeing today? Verse, if you read down to, it says, nations would not take sword against another nation, nor would they train for war anymore. I believe the answer to this is in verse 5. The whole world will come. But first, come all you descendants of Jacob. Let us walk in the light of God. Before you say uh, nations will be coming to come and know Christians, let us come and walk in the light of God. Or else you just read these scriptures. So what I'm trying to say to us is this: is that we would, we, there is still capacity for you to grow in Christ. The Bible says you should continually grow. If I, if you are a Christian and I ask that, what have you learned this year? And there is nothing. You need to pick up something and learn. The more you read the scriptures, there's a lot to learn. There's a lot to learn. God grant us grace in Jesus' name. So, let's go on, please, to that Colossians again. We are back again to Colossians. It says... Being rooted and built up. Please note that it started off from rooted. So that you cannot build anything. The Bible forbids building something that doesn't have roots. So, <laughs> something that doesn't have roots, that is not connected to Christ, it is wrong, biblically. To be teaching somebody how to interpret dreams and visions when they don't know Jesus. Because there is no root. You are just building. The day is going to come. You just see that one day, you know, <laughs> there was one person that was going to, was supposed to leave the church. And because um, the person was very active. And doing a lot of it, but there was no root. There was no root in the gospel. One day they called that person. The person was in Pekka. He was gathering ingredients. <laughs> he was gathering ingredients for sacrifice. <laughs> See, because see, because there is no root. It's just a taste. See, those one of the things, that's why the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, it says that so that we will not be tossed through and fro 
There are Christians that they are here today, tomorrow there's another thing that is happening. They say, oh yes, power has come. We. Because there is no root. There is no root. I was thinking about something recently. No, it's quite interesting that people don't have, you know, you, somebody says to me, this is what God is saying to them today. And when they come, when I speak to them next year, it is something totally different. I'm not saying God cannot, you know, things cannot move on. But there has to be a link. If you are saying that somebody is saying things new every time that has no link to yesterday, what are you saying in that? They are crazy. It's only a mad person that would say something now. I say the next statement, I'd be like, okay, <laughs> how does that, how does that look? God help us in Jesus' name. So, as we go home, the Bible says, it says, yeah, we are just trying to draw all that we've been learning together, and I hope that God will help us to do so. It says that, it says, become, um, the Bible says, it says, being strengthened in the faith as you were taught. So, the faith is taught. The faith is taught. I, you know, when I used to read, I, I said, you know, Jesus said so. Jesus said, go into the world, preach the gospel, make disciples. He now said, teach them, command them to observe all that I taught you. Why did Jesus not say, the Holy Spirit will teach them, just to baptize them, let them go, the Holy Spirit will be speaking to them. Why did he say, teach them? The faith of the scriptures has to be taught. The Holy Spirit can expand it to you, but it is taught. You will see it in Jude chapter 1 verse 3. It says, oh, sorry, I thought I had that. Okay. Jude chapter 1 verse 3. It said, dear friends, although I am eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled. I saw that, see, I know that we are talking about that you are saved. Said, I felt compelled and, and I hold you to contend for the faith, again, for the faith which was one delivered, which was one entrusted in God's holy people. And the amplified version will tell you fight for the faith. Ensure that the gospel is not is not is not compromised. We are not see this is the generation now that you say, you know, you know, um, everybody has their own type of truth, you know. You know, it, it, the way we see it is different. When it comes to defect, do you have it in Amplified? If you can, I don't know. If, 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 if it's true, then no worry. You know, the, the, when we begin to contend, when you are talking about the faith, now the faith, though there are, there are conversations around which is more dangerous, heresy or false teaching. 
both of it are a calling. Uh, sorry, uh, the, the, the okay. Let's. So he says, I I am compelled to write you urgently. This is an urgent thing, appealing to you that you fight strenuously for the defense of the faith which you were, which was first of all handed over to the faith. Saints, please, I'm not talking about what was given to Babalado. That's not what I'm talking here. We're talking about the pure gospel. If, if our faith is, if your, if the faith that we're talking about, if it's serious, if it has, if, as long as it is in line with scriptures, if it is not the you know, maybe at some time we will talk, we will talk even more in more depth about what is different. You will see that it is different from I claim. That is why the Bible calls it the faith, which was for it was it is basically a teaching. A teaching. Now, the way Paul would handle it. See, what my understanding is that false teaching should be that one Paul will attack it straight on. Heresy may not necessarily be immediately damaging, but as heresy begins to add more and more, it begins to affect your faith. So everything, one kills slowly. The one kills Outright. When someone says there is no Jesus is just one of those ways, that is categorically false teaching. Uh, yeah, no, but it is the way they understand it. <laughs> this is this is this is why we are we are where we are now. Because let me show you. There are times when you Galatians, Paul may not necessarily mention it, especially when they were talking about circumcision. Paul said some people are brought in false teachings among you. Because then it was about some people were still saying, hey, you know, we need to do circumcision, we need to do this and, and things like that. But when Peter spoke about it, or Paul confronted Peter in public, it was not in, in secret. Paul said, because they were not behaving alone according to the gospel. That's what Paul said. Because the danger of teaching people false things that is not grounded or that sidelines the sacrifice of Christ is basically building their faith on the path to hell. And you would see here, let's just read first Timothy. You see what Paul wrote to Timothy. He said, Timothy, my son. Hmm. You know, when Paul said, you know, you know that it is a very serious conversation. He said, I am giving you this command that you keep with the prophecies which was once made. We keep keep in sorry, keeping with the prophecies which was once made about you. 
that you that so by so you recall them and fight the battle well. So what is he talking about? Holding on to faith. So did we? Verse twenty is it up to that? No, you didn't think verse twenty. Sorry. Holding on, holding on to faith, holding on to faith and a good conscience. Then Paul began to name people within the church who were teaching errors. And Paul was saying, hey, I am telling you, this is a lie. If you are going to succeed, these are people teaching heresy. The, ch the challenge, okay, he says, he says, holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected, and so have suffered a shipwreck, regarding, sorry, with regards to, again, defense. So their salvation as, as, it has, it has, you know, <laughs> amen. In that said, among them are, he said, oh God, I was Alexandra, whom I have handed over to Satan. See, this are, because you, we don't understand the consequences of teaching a gospel that leads people to hell. But the greatest challenge is that we cannot even spot it because we don't know what it is. Because somebody talks good, because somebody talks something that helps people, you can get healing and things like that. That's why Paul said, even if an angel comes and he tells you a gospel that is different from what you have said, let that angel be accursed. Let's go to the next slide, please. If I show you this money, do you know what this? Anybody? See, we can't even, we, we can't even, so my question doesn't really add up. But the basis of my question still remains the same. You cannot spot the fake because you don't even know it. So, if a false doctrine is taught, you don't know when a false doctrine is taught. Or we don't know at times when a false doctrine is taught or a false teaching is taught. And until the church begins, until the church begins to, to you know, to begin to take the gospel as the Bible places it. And let's go on, please. It says in um, Jude chapter, it says, save others as though snatching them from fire. 
basically he's saying when you are saving people, there are some you have to grab them and as if you are about to save them on fire. Somebody who is terminally sick or whatever the case is, the first thing you need to ensure is preach the gospel to them so that they understand. See, there are some. I, I want you to please look at this. I'm not again, you know, and let me try to look out my place that I come from. Oh, let me just use it as an example. Maybe as a husband and wife, I'm always hot tempered. And you are cancelling me, you're speaking to me. And you say, just, you know, just try. I know that, you know, or not talk to my wife. You know that Bayo comes from a home where his dad is always very angry. You know, so if you, if you try to make things easier, you know, he would not be getting hungry as much as possible. Do we agree that that is a good counseling session? Or do we, you know, because it's a woman, I'm not talking about, forget about it, let's just call it around. Doesn't have to be moved of her. Basically, just you can say to that man also, you know, I know that you know it is in your family to to get hungry, but you know, you know, this hunger issue, just try your best, you know, to as good as that is, which is good. But you know what I did not tell that person? That your hunger can lead you to hell. When a man fornicates. You know it is men that do it. As if when you get to heaven, there is a sin categorized for men and sin categorized for women. Because ah, backbiting. Ah, you're a woman. It's, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. You don't have Adam's happen. So it's, it's, it's okay. Man, ah, your own is sharp. Hunger. Mm, yeah. You know you are the head. I know it is not easy. I give you pass. But that, that is what we teach. Again, we are packaging people for him. Don't worry, just enjoy the ride. You are going to be okay. I'm not saying that people cannot work on it, but let them work in such a way that they are concerned about their salvation. Take it on a time and say, now that may not be false teaching, but things are already been introduced into the body of Christ. And because I know you need to understand them. The Bible says when you see somebody in a burning building, you snatch them out. I can snatch you out and later say, okay, sorry. But it's better for you to have a bruise in the head than to be burnt up. May God grant us understanding in the name of Jesus Christ. So, so we are talking about the faith. Why it is important. Why it is important as we talk about the faith. Let's see the place. I don't know. No, uh, did we have...
James, is it um, First Timothy? Where the Bible talks about um, chapter two, is it, or that says that you know not all of you should the one that's asked you to help. Yeah. Not all of you should be teachers. God help us in Jesus' name. So you know, every every one of us, every one of us, you know, we should. So when we get to understand all of this, I'm trying. I'm trying to look for a particular scripture. The Bible says that. The Bible says that all of you should not reason why the Bible talks about that. All of you should not be teachers. I'm saying this to kind of lay an emphasis on what, on what I, on what, on James chapter three. You need to put it amplified. James chapter three, verse, verse one. If you can, please share. James three one. So all what we are saying is that, please, when it comes to the faith, the Bible is so critical about it and that's why the bible says that you know everybody you know you can you can preach because every christian is and the preaching is the gospel but when it comes to the teachings in the body of christ paul said now please note that if you have the amplified also please you can let me amplify now james as we read this and we draw it to Thanksgiving, James himself. Now, when you read the book of James, most people say that you know a, a, a Christian, a young Christian, is it's good for them to read the book of James and things like that. Um, now, I'm trying to lay emphasis on this as I describe who James is. James is the brother of Jesus, but that's not the important thing, really. It was James is the head of the church because when Peter was arrested and Peter was released, Peter had to leave Jerusalem. She did not in Acts chapter twelve. You see it in Acts chapter twelve. Sorry, you see it in Acts chapter twelve. So, as he's writing in his authority. As the head of the church, you see it even in Acts chapter fifteen when they brought the issue of about circumcision. Can I have the next mic? When we when we see, um, thank you. When we see um, about the issue about circumcision, then then when everybody spoke, Acts chapter fifteen, the last person that spoke was James. Why? Because James was the head of the church. And I think that is quite informative for those who want to know. You know we are listening, people are listening online and things like that. When Peter was going to leave the church, Peter handed over to James. Peter did not say, I am going to be functioning elsewhere, but at the same time, Keep my position. Nobody can. God has not appointed somebody here to, to collect my position. No, it doesn't work that way. And when Peter came back, when we were having the council in Acts chapter 15, when everybody gave their opinion, 
Peter did not say, I am here now. I have to give the final seat. It was James that said, according to what Peter has said, in agreement with what Peter, so in showing respect for Peter. But it is important to know that at the time, the leadership changed from Peter to James. Just for people who believe that, you know, you can, you can do anything, right? No, it is not, that's not the scriptures. That's not the scriptures. You know, and it's important because I believe that it, 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 it doesn't help the work of God. It doesn't help the work of God. So, see what James, as the head of the church, was talking about. James said, not many of you should become teachers. Serving in an official teaching capacity. Brothers and sisters, for you know that we who are teachers will be judged by a higher standard. Because we, are, we have assumed greater accountability and more condemnation if we teach incorrectly, this was how the body of Christ held the pulpit. So that means that if you teach rubbish, you should be able to be called and say, Excuse me, where did you get that from? There is, you can, if everything is, I got it from heaven. What you are saying is that you cannot be accountable to anybody. It is important that if you are going to hold pulpits to teach, you are accountable for every single word that you say. Not only before God, but before man. It is important. That is why the pulpit is not, not that. Not that everybody cannot teach. That's why the Bible did not forbid anybody from preaching the gospel. But when it comes to teaching, you would be, as you are teaching, God is placing your standard of judgment on a higher level. You just preach about don't be angry or don't commit fornication. It's not only God. The devil has also increased your level of temptation. If you have done teaching, then you know what I'm talking about. That the week you finish that teaching, that same week, something will happen. Why? Because the capacity of your accountability has just been increased. So Paul was saying to them, sorry, James was saying to them, please, please, we are, all we are doing is just trying to keep you safe. Because once you come into that line, you will be held accountable by God. I'm not scaring anybody from pulpit. <laughs> I'm just saying. So that you will not be part of those who just wake up in the morning and say, mm, what are we putting to do? God, talk something. 
Get to church. What is the sermon today? What? Oh, I saw the poster outside. Ah, okay. Ah, Genesis verse one verse. Okay, okay, okay. Let's let's go. Let's go. Let's go. It is there. Heavens speak. Heavens may speak, but what you have forgotten is that as it's coming out of your mouth, God is also saying, okay. There is no I didn't know. It just they just they just missing me and I miss missing one. <laughs> so as we close as, as we draw very close to where we're going he said because we have assumed a greater accountability please know that the way he said he said those who are serving in an official so that means that there is a process before you mount the pulpit. I am not saying that, you know, there are times I've seen my mentor who, 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 who she's called the one said, what is that rubbish? What did you just say? See, it is called accountability. When you say that, oh, it was just laid in my heart from God, accountability says, we bless the name of God for what God has laid in your heart. Please, can you now share with us two scriptures what this refers to in the Bible? If not, there was a man that said he came from, you know, people may call it extreme, but again, because we are so, the body of Christ has moved so much away from the scriptures. William Connolly, I don't know if most of us might know him. He came to teach. He left. They invited him to a place, some church. I think the youth or something were doing a program. They invited him to a, a church. He had to travel four, five hours to go there to go and preach. Four square. He said he was. He was even speaking at four square. He said, "I hope you still have this. You are still doing this." He said, "When I came in and they introduced me as the teacher." That will be teaching them the revival and things, and teaching them over the period, over whatever is in the, the program and things like that. He said, as as they introduced him, the elders, some of the elders stood up and they called him into the chancel. And he said, Sir, one, can you first of all explain to us your salvation? How are you saved? Service was going on. <laughs> But because he understood scriptures, he understood that there were shepherds that were careful of who comes and mounts the podium. Because if a shepherd releases somebody on, the, on, on his flock and they teach rubbish, that person is not only accountable, the shepherd that brought in there is also accountable. He said, after about 15 minutes grilling, the man said, you, we see you as, you know, as a good man and things like that. Thank you for coming. Go and sit down. And he sat down on that seat for the three days. They did the teaching and he went back home. And he came back to the church four square where he was teaching that. He said, I hope you still have the standards. He said, then I was I was a young kid, I was first of all offended. For God said, No, go ahead and read your speak. What they did to you is right. 
because they are checking. No wonder, no, later I was then, they now called him and invited him back. They said, because when they asked him to sit down and listen to them, they were, the second check, they were checking the fruits. If he was going to storm out and say, you know, if I'm not teaching, then nobody go, what, 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 what am I here for? And I said, he said, but how many churches, how many of us do that? Die? No, we don't. If I say, you know, if somebody says, sit down there. Oh, but God spoke to me. Yes, sit down there. God must, God must have spent hours preparing the sermon for him. But when it was not only for him, God did not, God did not tell him that it was only a test for you. That even if you meet the standard of scriptures, would you bend or will you override it because you had something? Why am I pointing out this? Because if the faith will be taught, these are the standards of the faith. These are the standards of the faith. God help us in Jesus' name. So the Bible says in that Colossians 2 verse 7, by the time we hand it all, it says that it says that in all this we should be thankful. This is the reason why you should be thankful that you are rooted in Jesus. You have the capacity to keep growing in the faith. The Bible says we should be thankful. Psalm 1, 2, verse 1 says to us that it says, it says, it says to us, says, it says, I rejoiced when they said to me, let go into the house of the Lord. But what was he rejoicing about in the house of the Lord? He says, let's go to Psalm 73, please. He said, when I tried to understand this all, it troubled me deeply until I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final hands. So what he's saying is that what makes me excited when they seem to go to the house of the Lord is that I am getting to discover things about God. So that is causing me even to have the joy of gratitude. Two, two scriptures just before that, sorry, I know that I skipped it. Um, it says, um, Psalm 119, verse he says that he says rulers um, rulers persecute me without cause. My heart trembles, but my heart trembles at your word. He says I rejoice in the promise that in the promise of the word. When he talked about the word scriptures, he said as I find like one that finds a great spoil. Do you come to church and you get to a point where you discover you say God, thank you for knowing this. Thank you for your word. The things that the Bible teaches us we rejoice about, even as we look at the faith, Ephesians chapter 1, verse, verse 15 and 16 said, For this reason, since I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped. I have not stopped. 
give him thanks. So look at the two things. Your faith in Jesus, that means I am a Christian. Two, how I can see you improving in your relationship with people. When I see that, I am excited. For that reason, I would always give thanks to God. If Paul is giving thanks to God for people about these two things, I think it is important that those who is giving thanks or on their behalf are also grateful. You know there is a song that used to sing them. I am glad I belong to Jesus. I belong to Jesus. I belong to my Lord. I am glad. I... See, in those, in those, when the people begin to sing, you think as if they want something. You know, and they will begin to dance because they, because of their faith in Christ Jesus. So as we give thanks at the end of this month, we have talked about the kingdom of God this month. We are talking about growing into Christ. And this, today I've tried to put the two together just to lay emphasis on what enables those growth. But in all, Paul hands it in that, in that um, Colossians 2, verse 7, he says, it's, no, just the previous one. Oh, anyway, anyway. Okay, let's leave that. He says, being established in your faith just as you were taught and overflowing in it. Overflowing in the faith. Always giving God thanks. The Lord, I am thankful that I know you. I am thankful that I am growing in faith. When was the last time you gave God thanks for your growth? In the characters that is, God is molding in you. When last you look at yourself and say, Ah, by your oh God, Jesus, thank you. Something that used to offend you at the time, and you walk away from it, and you say, Ah, Jesus, you are trying. Because at times, I look at myself on certain things and I just go, wait a minute, it's gone a month now and I've not done it. Ah, God, you are really at work. Thank you. So at this time, all we are going to do at the end of this month is to show gratitude. Paul said, he said, overflowing, overflowing in it with gratitude. So people may not have anything to be grateful for in those aspects because they've ever been perfect. But for those who are growing in God, who are growing in God, they would always have things to give them to. That's what I suppose. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. Have a blessed week.